on today's episode of Power of the Towel. The Canucks playoff chances are slipping away after a disastrous week. When I started this podcast, there was a there was a chance, maybe not many people leave it, but they're only five points back, a first of the Western Conference. And now they're going to be in a dogfight the rest of the year to make the playoffs. We talk about all that. We get to our usual fun segments at the end. And of course, our usual guest, well, it's his first time actually on the podcast. The one and only Tanbir Rana, a.k.a. Tanbir from Surrey. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Before you listen any further, make sure to subscribe to the Nux Misconduct Network. Not only do you get this show, you'll get Sippin' on a 40, a recap after every Canucks game. One will be out tonight after the game against the Islanders. You'll get the quickie, fastest hockey show, anywhere, daily hockey show to start off your day. And of course, you'll get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit. Hosted by Kyle, Kyle Bowen and Trevor Beggs. It's been a rough week, week for the Vancouver Canucks. It really has, you know. I think when I last recorded this podcast, they had about a 70%. I, I always check the uh, always check the athletic. Uh, Dom has his daily playoff predictions. How, 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 uh, how likely these teams are going to make the playoffs. Sure, I'm sure you all know what's happened since our last episode. The big, the biggest game ever against the Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes ended up in a loss four two. They bounced back with a win against the Avalanche at home, but then lost to the Blue Jackets last night two to one. And unfortunately, I watched I watched a bit of the Coyotes game, I watched the highlights of the. Avalanche game, but I want to talk about the Blue Jacks game. So I had, I had I had friends over, man. I had people I cared about over to watch last night's Canucks game, and it was brutal. Not only was it a boring period, not just a boring period. The first first period was really boring, but we all it was just a, just a sense of dread when the Vancouver Canucks managed to go down two nothing to the Columbus Blue Jacks. It was like we everyone. Who was watching the game with me? We all knew what was coming. Demko had played great, but the Canucks just weren't able to get a goal when it counted. It was honestly just super depressing to watch. Man, it was it was tough. And now, like I said at the top of the top of the show, they are in a dogfight to make the playoffs. You know, I have the I have the article up right now. Dom from the Athletic updates how likely the playoffs are for each team. Custer sitting at 45% right now. 45%, less than 50-50 chance. Projected at 90 points. We're looking at a wild card spot now. Right now, looks like Vegas and Edmonton are going to be the top two seeds in the Pacific. Calgary 
Dom says it has a 77% chance of making the uh, the playoffs now. And hey, if you're a neutral hockey fan, you want that Edmonton-Calgary series. But as a Canucks fan, I don't care. I want, I want the Canucks to make the playoffs. I want them to be a better position. And like I said, 45% chance from, I think last time I ch- checked before the Arizona game, it was 70. I mean, they got, they got a big, all these games are big. Like, it's going to be a cliche to just to say, oh, this is the biggest game in recent history because they're all going to be big, man. Got the Islanders tonight at 7. Islanders are a bit of a slumping team. If they can't lose there, that's even more panic in the market. You got Phoenix on the road. You got Avalanche on the road again. There's not a lot of easy, gimme games. You maybe look at that Ducks-Kings back-to-back a couple weekends from now. But even then, the Canucks recently lost to the Ducks, right, in Sedin week. So that's not even a gimme either. They got one at home against the Ducks. So it's it's... I think we all, I personally wanted to see meaningful games in August, in, during the re- stretch run of the season, but not like this, man. Don't break my heart like this. This is not what I wanted. I even, this was, this game was so climactic. I ended up even watching the press conference after the game. And man, Horvat, he looked legit upset on the podium last night, man. It was, it was, if you're a captain, man, like that's just it was just heartbreaking to watch. You got Travis Green saying this one hurts. He he you know, Travis Green recently was been was the voice of reason. You know, he was saying, calm down. They've been playing well, they've been playing well. But even Tra- Trav's getting real, man. He's saying this one hurts. He's he's feeling the pressure as well. Tough times in the city of Vancouver. When you got your captain out here. Looking just absolutely like he, it looked like Bo Horvat legitimately lost Game Seven in the Stanley Cup Finals last night. It was tough to watch, and you know, I think Travis Green actually going back. Travis Green actually did say that the Canucks played well, but he admitted like they needed to win this game, and I think he fully admits. And I think the Canucks fully know now they're in a fight the rest of the season to make the playoffs. I don't even want to get into much of the the veterans on this team. I guess because I talked about it last episode, the veterans are the ones who are letting this team down. You know, Jim Benning has talked a lot about having the right culture and producing, you know, environment that's conductive to winning. And part of that to him is laying down, you know, the foundation for winning with veterans. You know who you know who the Canucks young kids should be emulating in terms of veterans? JT Miller. That's the type of veteran the Canucks young people, the young players should be mo- should be looking towards. Not a guy like Brandon Sutter, who's who's I've said I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Ever since he had that chance to score when it was three one in Columbus, like I, I'm done with the guy. I'm done with the guy. I didn't like him before. Now I'm completely done. Jay Beagle, he signed. Let's let's call it what it is at this point. He's signed his big ticket, and now he's kind of you know coasting. He won his cup. How is he helping the Canucks right now? Antoine Roussel doesn't look like the same player after the injury. He took a bad penalty in that game against Columbus, but that knee injury seems like it's really taking its toll. The Canucks are going to be. 
this is the new normal the rest of the season. The Canucks, every game, every mistake is going to be magnified. When you when you when I wanted meaningful games, when we all want, when most people wanted meaningful games, this is part of what comes with it. Magnifying the mistakes, dwelling on the missteps when they lose. That's all that's all part of it, man. That's all part of it. Now, today there was big updates. I don't want to talk much about the the science behind the coronavirus, but there was big updates today in the sense that the Canucks and actually all the major leagues are banning reporters from the locker rooms. I mean, we'll get into we'll get into the implications of that later. But man, I was just thinking about I just want to play something quickly while I describe this. Man, Francesco Aquilini. I was just thinking about this today. For Francesco Aquilini, you stress for all these years to make the playoffs. You give Jim Benning the directive to trade picks, trade assets, get this team into the playoffs. And man, there's a legit chance that the Canucks could be playing their playoff games behind closed doors and there's no money to be made for Aquilini. I can just imagine Frankie in his, you know, his office overlooking Rogers Arena. Just Frank just rubbing his forehead. Just stress the hell out that he's, you know, pushed all this must spent all this money on veterans. Jim Benning, sorry, has spent all this money on veterans. They're still a cap team. They've been they were a cap team pretty much throughout the whole rebuild. They wasn't saving any money those years. And now there's a legit chance that the Canucks could not make any money from playing in the postseason if the coronavirus continues this stretch. Man, I don't I don't know if it'll happen. I hope not. But man, Francesco, just his luck at the one year he finally makes out this playoffs. There's a huge virus going around that could shut down anyone even going to his games. If anyone listened to this from Curb, please don't sue Nexmas Contact for using the theme song. It's just funny. I just find it funny. It's a very, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David moment. Let's be real. Anyways... We're going to get to our segments after this interview. But for our interview this week, I want some positivity. I want someone who's going to lift everyone's spirits. Because it's been a pretty it's been a pretty dark episode so far, relatively speaking, in terms of the Canucks. It's been a dark week. So we have the one and only Tanbir Rana, a.k.a. Tanbir from Surrey. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Okay, so we now welcome on Power of the Towel. You may know him as Tanbir from Surrey. It's Tanbirana. Tanbir, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm I'm doing well. So we've got you on your way back from work. Why I wanted you yeah. on this podcast is you're a positive guy. That's why that's why I like you. You're you always see the positive side of things. I need some positivity yeah. right now. Like give me something positive about the Vancouver Canucks to think about? Tyler Toffoli's been great. Um, 
the team actually, in my opinion, hasn't played terrible, man. Like, it's, I know the Columbus Blue Jackets were on a back-to-back, and, you know, I think we dominated the, the, the play of the game. We controlled the possession, uh, hit three. Are we allowed to swear on this show? Because oh, you go swear, 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 swear your, swear your heart out, man. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, we hit three fucking posts last night, man. Like that's frustrating as a fan, and just imagine how the players must feel. Um, so many chances last night. Could have won the game. Could have won the game against Arizona. I felt that um, against Arizona, we also dominated the play against them as well. Um, the positive news is that we control our own destiny. Like, we get to control if we make the playoffs or not. And that, you know, we got games in hand. Uh, we have a few games against California teams still. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to the games against Calgary, Winnipeg, and Arizona. So, if you trust this team, like I do, I think they'll get it done. But, again, they were put in a tough situation once Markstrom got hurt when Bester got hurt, and I know a lot of teams around the league are hurt, but the Canucks aren't deep enough to get injuries like this. You know what I mean? Like, And it is what it is, but I'm confident that Bo Horvat will finally score a five-on-five goal, and I'm confident that you know Demko will play the way he has he has played recently. I think he's been fine. Have we, shouldn't we have, it, like, looking back on this whole thing, I think we all should have expected a, a dip-off like this after Markstrom went down. Like, he stole so many games throughout the season. Cool. Like, what, what, what are your thoughts on just Markstrom's play and how that's affected the Canucks without without him? Because it seems like, to me, I probably should have heeded the warning a bit where it came to came to Markstrom. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, Markstrom saw a lot of games, and he was incredible playing at a national level. Uh, you know, at a better level. That's like, you know, you don't expect Demko to come in and play like Markstrom. That, like, that would just be tough for a 23-year-old goalie to come in and do. But, again, you could take away anybody's uh, a goaltender. And I mean, like, a goalie that's playing better level for any team, and they would struggle. Um, you know, like, I know the Canucks, I trust Demko, and, I, and he had a few tough games that he let in some stinkers and and he knows that too but I think recently he's been playing good enough and he's made timely saves uh, especially last night where the he had uh, he he kept the team in, in the game and I think Demko's done a good enough job for this team to have at least three wins in the last six I know they only have one in the last six but they could easily be three and three and that's why it's so frustrating because the team's been pretty good in front of even in front of Domingue, uh last week against Columbus yeah Man, they kept every shot to the outside and just a breakdown. Like, they just broke down in the last eight minutes of the game. And I think these games are going to just, you know, make make the young core uh, more experienced and it's just going to help them. Like, I always, like, think, like, as a, as a, as a, a guy that's played ball hockey and played with the team, uh, not just that, but, like, seeing the past Canucks teams in the past, uh, I feel like the teams – Teams learn more from losing games, big games, than winning games. And losing is a part of learning. And losing is also a part of, you know, like um, an example would be Crosby. Like he lost before he won the cup, right? Like he lost to Detroit Red Wings in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. He had to learn. Like he needed to lose before he won. Uh, you look at the Blackhawks, they lost to the Detroit Red Wings before they won the cup. You look at St. Louis, how many times did they have to lose to win the cup? Like Washington Capitals. Prime example, 
I'm not saying that these games are like play- they are technically like playoff games. I just I just feel that these games are going to help this young core moving forward, and it, and and if they make the playoffs, it's going to help them even more. So, like, we are not going to win this year, and we are probably not going to win next year. But these last next the next few years coming up here are going to be huge lessons for this young core. Mm-hmm. So your solution is just to lose a bunch of games. Because here, 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 here's where I'm thinking. The Canucks have like had one of the worst records the past however many years. Haven't they yeah. learned all their lessons from losing those games, or is it, or is your theory uh, just big games? No, yeah, exactly, big games. So these, uh, okay. the last few years, they were out of it. They, they weren't losing it. enough they, big they games, as you yeah. okay. Yeah, now they're now they're in the, at this point in the season where these games are are like just high pressure situations, high stakes, and. You know, I'm not saying that these these guys are choking. Well, they sort of are choking. Let's be honest, they are. Yeah. But, like, what I'm saying is learning from it is huge. And l- last night, again, they were playing a pretty solid game, two defensive breakdowns, and you have to learn from that. You can't just, like, Tanner Pearson, Troy Stetcher on that one play. Like, Tanner Pearson thinks, oh, I should go to my, uh, my uh, point man because he's a winger, right? He's just going back to his position. But he didn't realize that there was two guys in front of the net and both the, uh, 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 there was a center and a defensive behind the net, and he didn't realize there was two guys in front of the net, so he didn't know who to take, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guys in front of the net or the, the point man, right? And that right there is just communication and just learning from it. And I think that um, Troy Cedric made the right play there, to be honest. He went to the guy uh, on the back door, and Tanner Pearson just – it was a miscommunication right there. I think that the team is learning. They will learn. From these games, and I think they're gonna also make the playoffs. I want to have confidence in them, but who knows, man? Who fucking knows? The Minnesota Wild has just fucking caught fire. Uh, Kevin Fiala, fuck, he's been incredible. He's been lighting it up, and yeah. That's what, yeah, he's been lighting, and that's like you don't want these teams below you catching fire because that right there can you know fuck up your position in a playoff spot, and that's what that's what's frustrating because all they have to do is play five in their hockey, and now they're just slumped and and they've slumped but they haven't played terrible but the games like against losing against ottawa is not going to help you right you got to beat ottawa losing a game like columbus last week is not going to help you and and losing against uh arizona and columbus was on the back-to-back like they they, and they beat teams like colorado and uh boston those two teams are powerhouses in the the nhl and they beat them they spanked boston 9-3 and they beat uh, colorado 6-3 so, like, this team is so unpredictable, and, you know, we'll see what happens, but I ultimately have confidence in the group because Patterson and Hughes are just incredible talent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going back to that Tanner Pearson-Troy uh, Stetcher mistake in that game, that made it 2 nothing, and that, to me, is mm-hmm. the, that's the type of mistake that a goalie like Markstrom covered up earlier in the season. He would maybe make that save, and he would keep it a one nothing game. And like you said... Demko isn't playing that bad. He's honestly been he's been okay. He's been pretty good, but Markstrom has just been on another level as a goalie that it kind of covers up mistakes like that Tanner Pearson, Troy Stetcher fuck up. Yeah, exactly for sure. And and that was just a that was just I don't know what was going on. Like it's just a mental lapse, you know. Like like you know, like if you watch it on video, you know that that the right play is for Tanner Pearson to stay in front of that. And Troy just does what he does on that play. But because the game moves so fast and there's so much shit happening at once that sometimes it's just 
you you just go instincts, right? And Tanner Pearson went with instincts, and I'm not blaming Tanner. Like, it is technically Tanner Pearson's fault on that play, but, like, you know what? Like, the game is so fast, and, and yeah, Markstrom probably makes – who knows if Markstrom makes that save? Because that's a pretty in-close uh, chance, but Markstrom was making those types of saves this year, so, you know, you want to believe that he would. It's just – you don't expect Demko to do that, man. Demko, in my opinion, that was just a too high of a danger scoring chance for Demko to save, but, yeah. Markstrom was making those saves, and that's why we were where we were. In yeah, the and that and that leads me to my the other point I'm gonna I was gonna make is the Canucks with their starting goalie out seem to need to have to play a different style, or they it looks like they have to play a different style, but the team isn't really constructed to do that. Like their team is constructed to almost trade chances, and you're gonna give up a few chances, and hopefully your goalie bails them out. But it doesn't seem like the Canucks now now that they don't have the goalie to bail them out, they haven't seemed to change the way they play at all. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I sort of disagree because I feel like they have cleaned stuff up in front of uh, Jacob Markstrom. I mean, uh, uh, in front of uh, Satcher Demko. I just feel that the chances, the high-danger chances they do give up is just Demko's not be, being able to make that save. Um, like, you look at the shots uh, the last few games, I've noticed a lot of the shots have come from the outside. I, I guess, especially last week against Columbus, Louis Domingue barely had to make any like, big saves, I felt like. I felt like uh, a lot of the shots are from the outside. Even the goals they scored are point shots, and that's just not a goaltender yeah. that's able to make the saves. That um, second goal, I, that, like, I think that one that one goal that Wierenski scored, was flat on the ice through his goal, through his five yeah, hole. That was exactly. a bad goal. Exactly, bad. exactly. And that's those are the type of saves you need your goalie to make, right? And I feel like the Canucks are almost, like, uh, this is on green. For I love Travis Green, but this is on green. I feel like they're playing scared to lose and they can't be scared to lose like they have to go in there and win the game and and a prime example of them playing scared to lose or uh, scared to lose is playing Louis Eriks in the top six um you need your top six to score some goals and right now recently we haven't scored enough goals um and just because uh okay you're not going to just put Jake Bertan onto the second line mm-hmm. when you need a goal you need goals at all times during the game. You need goals in the first period, second period, and third period. Just because you are up one nothing doesn't mean you put Louis Erickson on to the second line again to shut it down. You leave Jake or or Toffoli, whoever you want, that you want to stack up your top six because you need goals at all times. And that's what I'm like that's why Travis Green hasn't like that's why I feel like Travis Green is playing like he's he's coaching scared in my opinion. He can't be so it's funny how Louis Erickson uh, at the start of the year, uh, calls out Travis Green for not playing him enough, right? And now Travis Green has depended on Louis Erickson to play in that shutdown role on the second line. And yeah. it's just ironic to me how this has worked. Like, do you have a guy who has scored 18 goals for you this year in Jake Patanen? And you know how big of a fan I am of Jake. And I know he his defense You're probably the number one not- Jake booster in the lower mainland. Yeah, probably, but let's be honest. Like, he has 18 goals and Louis Erickson has six. Who should be in the top six? I am not saying play Jake Bertanen with both. You could put Jake Bertanen on with PD and Miller. And during that hot run that we had, that seven-game win streak, Jake Bertanen was majority on that line. And Brock Besser was on that third line, if you don't remember. Um, Jake Bertanen was on that first line. So why not bump to Foley down with Bo and give Bo some wingers? Like I, Tanner Pearson has one assist since the All-Star break. That's a stat that J-Pat J- brought up just right now on the radio. He has one assist wow. since the All-Star break. What? Like, how do we expect Bo Horvath, who hasn't scored a five-on-five goal 
in 21 games uh, to score. Like, you, your winger has one assist since All-Star break. Give him Tyler Toffoli. Give him Tanner Pearson. And let's see if they, uh, let's see if they uh, get the magic going there. Because I think Petey and Miller will be fine with Jake on their wings just until Brock comes back. And they'll be fine with, with Jake there. And they showed that they were fine in the past when they were on a seven-game winning streak with Jake there as well. So that's why, like, like Travis Green's decision-making has sort of frustrated me here. You can't just, you know, play uh, coach scared. And that's what, what, uh, what Green is showing me right now. And it's a little frustrating as a fan. Um, and I knew, like, I know when people were complaining about how Louis Erickson was on that second line and we were winning games. Remember when we, we had that 14-3 oh, yeah. run with Louis Erickson, Pat Pearson, they were scoring all those empty net goals. I understood Green's point of view when he kept Louis on that line at that time. But right now you have one win in six games. You need some goals, and Louis Erickson is not going to help you score goals. You might as well, you know, bump to Foley down and put Jake on the first line and see what happens because you're running out of options, and depending on Louis Erickson to uh, to save your job is <laughs> just it's hilarious. Yeah, like hey, I love the yeah. whole like Louis Erickson meme as much as the next guy. I found it hilarious. I used to always getting these empty nets, but I think deep down everyone knew he wasn't a long term solution on that second line just for every reason. Travis Green wants a yeah. more. He wants the Bo Horvat as you know a shutdown center, and he wants more defensively responsible wingers around him, aka Louis yeah. Erickson in his mind. Yeah, for sure, and and I, that that's just you know Bo's playing with an anchor man. Like it's frustrating. People are like complaining about Bo. Uh, he doesn't have a goal in twenty one even uh, twenty one games uh, at even strength, and I know that you have to get more production out of Bo, and it's hard to get production when you're playing with a guy in Louis Erickson who. It's really not good for much other than maybe killing penalties and clearing uh, pucks along the walls. And that's where Jake, uh, that's where Green doesn't trust Jake is along the wall uh, in his own end. But man, he's got 18 goals, almost 40 points. He's been, he's been buzzing recently. He's been unlucky, like crazy unlucky. Like, wait, like he had a, he's at, he's at, he's at two posts in the last two games. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's missed two breakaways in the last two games. He's getting unlucky, but, you know, it's just frustrating to see how Travis Green just still doesn't trust this kid, even though all he does is like almost prove him wrong. Like you got 40 points, almost 40 points. And he's been playing majority in the bottom six. Yeah. Right. Like, like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. You must be, you must be just so angry and frustrated right now. Like you said, you're the number one Jake for Tannen booster. And to see your boy getting treated like this. No, it's not just that. Like, I didn't mind him playing with Gaudet and Roussel for a bit. He was producing on that line. Team was winning games. I don't like once Brock Besser comes. I want him like on the third line, right? But like, like at this time, like you know, you need some goals, and you're not going to trust this kid now. Like he's almost at twenty. You know, like yeah. come on, right? Hundred percent, dude. So sorry. Let's let's switch let's switch gears a bit. So how I first. Found out of how I first got to know you and started following you on Twitter. It was your calls into TSN 1040. I want to know when did you start doing this and like when did you start getting addicted to calling in the 1040? Um, this was it happened like while I was on my break in high school and the uh, guys had the midday show and my break was like around. Okay, around so this is a while ago. Oh, actually, no, that's 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 incorrect, actually. Oh, the first okay. time I started calling in was uh, during uh, the. Uh, okay, actually, no, I never called. Calling in was during the midday show, but the first time I was listening to the radio a lot 
was during the cup run, obviously. Yeah. And I would, uh, I think it was Halford and Brock who had their curtain vlog going on at that time. And that's when I found Twitter. I made a Twitter account and they were asking a question, where's the best place to party after the Canucks clinched the, the burst to the Stanley Cup finals? Where's the best place to uh, go and celebrate? And I was like, Scott Road. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah. And then we were on Scott Road talking about Scott Road. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and then after that, the during my high school break, I would go in and uh, just call the radio to Karis and Price when they do the midday, midday show. And I just enjoyed calling the show because they were a good show. And, yeah, and I just got addicted after that. And then uh, Matt Baker had this highlight reel show at late night, at, uh, late at night. And I had the radio in my room, so I would just call in while just before I went to bed to talk about the Canucks after the Canucks game because he would be on – uh, the uh, late night after a game or whatever, and I would just call in and talk about the game after that, and it was fun. And I don't call in as much now; uh, just busier now and stuff. But I well, did, you're I banned. You got banned. Today. They banned you. I got yeah, I got banned recently at ten forty. Uh, I called six fifty today for the first yeah. time in like I don't know, like maybe like. Have you considered switching allegiances? Uh, I listen to both. I I personally listen to ten forty more because of the morning show. Um. And the morning show doesn't even allow phone calls, so I just listen. They're just a good show, so I just listen to that. Oh, yeah, Halford and, and Brett are great. Uh, yeah, they're great. Uh, so I listen to them a uh, majority of the time. And then I'll go to uh, uh, 650 when Reach Deep is on sometimes, but then I switch to my music a lot. So I, I haven't really listened to the radio as much. Uh, post-game shows, especially when the Canucks lose, I don't even want to listen to it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I've just try. I I've stayed away from the radio recently just because uh, – this, this time of year, it's tough uh, to uh, listen. It's just so much negativity. Yeah, yeah. So, are you what? Are you on these people who have turned on ten forty because of negativity? Or are you still listening? Alleged negativity, no, I, mind, I was, mind no, you. No, no, I listen. I listen all the time. Uh, like Halper and Bruff are real. Like I, I understand their concern, and it's just a few. Like I used to listen to the midday show a lot with the Care and Price. So I felt like they've been. Uh, I don't want to call them out. I, okay, I am calling them out. Yeah, Fuck it. Do your thing. Uh, do your thing, King. Ever, ever since uh, the rights got switched to 650 or Sportsnet, they've been so salty. Uh, especially Blake. Like my God, Blake. It's just uh, I know he did the post game show and stuff, so he probably pissed them on. Maybe got a couple, you know, dollars cut uh, cut off his check or something. I don't know, <laughs> but he just. Uh, I don't know. I just. I just feel like. He hasn't like he's just been so critical of the team, even though uh, like there's times where like there's positive things to look at, right? So mm. like I know I I understand the concerns that Halford and Brock have on the team, but Blakey Blakey and the Sakaris have been very salty as in the last two years. Um, this year especially, he's been very salty. I don't know why, but. So is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite rant of yours on TSN Den Forty, and the one I just remember like very vividly was after the 2016 trade deadline when the Canucks like had like guys like Ham Hughes and Rubata they could have gave it off for picks. Everyone knew they weren't going to re-sign them, but they didn't didn't want picks for whatever reason. You went on Ten Forty and gave like a super passionate rant. Do you remember that at all? Because I was trying to f- actually find it on Twitter to play it for you, but I wasn't able to find it for whatever reason. Damn, it's been a long, long time. Yeah, it's, it's close to four years no, ago. Uh, yeah, crazy, eh? Uh, it doesn't feel like that. For sure. It feels like it was yesterday. Um, 
yeah, I know. Uh, probably don't really remember much of it, to be honest. But uh, in the moment, definitely frustrated. Um, but man, uh, especially with the Hamus situation, like the Rav- and the Rivada one. Um, I guess what Jimbo was trying to do was trying to get the most value for those two players, and it didn't end up working out. But in the moment, man, you were just trying to get anything. Like, remember when people got mad at Jimbo for getting Tyler Mott for Thomas Vanek? Oh, yeah, and, no, that was some very vitriol, like, anger towards him. Yeah, and personally, I felt like, man, at least he got something because a year before, uh, they couldn't get anything for Verbata and uh, and Hamius, right? So I was like, at least we got something, and now I'm, I'm looking, now we're looking at it now, and I'm like, yo, Connor Mott's not a bad, he's not a bad fourth-line player. And he brings the hustle and kills penalties, and he's young enough where – I, I've seen a little bit of improvement. He's, he's been hurt with injuries this year, but I don't mind him on my team, right? So I don't mind that trade, like, right now, if you're looking at it now. But that, at that time, not getting nothing for Verbata and Hamus was frustrating. And, and they tried hard with Hamus. I think uh, Tom Gillardi and the Dallas Stars sort of, uh, you know, didn't, uh, they were trying to fuck with the Canucks there. Because uh, I remember Dallas, was he- uh, they wanted Hamus a lot, and, uh, just didn't work. I think the owners obviously don't get along, right? So yeah. I think that was a, another reason why the Hamus deal didn't happen. Um, same with Chicago. And then the, and, and the one thing that was really frustrating was was Jimbo was he left it to the last minute. It felt like to get Hamus out of it. Yeah, there didn't like, seem any proactive moves from Jim Benning. In yeah, that it, wasn't, there, yeah. it wasn't proactive at all. Like like that was the most frustrating part was, and 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 the the, the shittiest part was also that. Verbano was having such a bad year after, you know, he had one of his best years. You well, know that I mean? was because like, for some Willie, for some reason, Willie decided to take him off the line with the Sedins after he scored thirty plus yeah, goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That was frustrating too. Like, like you're trading a guy to the lowest value, and we're just trying to get something out of him now. But man, imagine if we traded him when he got those thirty goals. He could have uh, gone like first a late first pick, man, late first round pick, probably. Man, he could have, he could have gone a lot. Yeah, and. That was frustrating for sure. That was that year was by far the most frustrating year when we didn't trade those two. Like, my God, dark days. Mm, <laughs> dark yeah. Days. So <laughs> another legendary tan beer moment I remember was you. Do you remember what do you remember from the? You know, remember those summit series? Not like so those like season ticket yeah, holder yeah, meetings. Yeah. What do you? you well, were like, I remember that. You were you remember that very well. You were the one who went up to Trevor Lynn just saying like, "I want to win a cup." Just yeah. just take us through like an oral history of that moment if you can. Okay, funny story. So I didn't. Even, I'm not even a season ticket holder, and actually, I got a phone call uh, from Danielle, who's actually gonna hook me up with half season tickets this year or for next year. Uh, I'm actually signing up oh, for them now. Dope. And uh, right before you, she wanted she wanted to get the seating done, and I told her just wait till uh, six ish or now she's oh, saying dope. seven. So you know, I, uh, I I hung up on her for you. Oh man, I, I, so. that, you know I don't know how much I I appreciate that. Yeah, you know so, how much the uh, network so, appreciates that having Tanbeer prioritize <laughs> us. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So um, uh, so she's gonna give me call call back some. But at that time, when uh, I went to that summer uh, summer summit there, um, I wasn't even a season ticket holder. Uh, my my buddy's uh, cousin hooked up the the seats for the summer summit. We're like, let's go check it out. And I was frustrated. I was a I still am big Cassian fan when he was on the Canucks. Was frustrated that they traded him for nothing for Brandon Pruss, who was, let's be honest, not very great in the Canucks. Didn't do shit. He didn't do shit. Um, 
Yeah, he was he was trash. He was trash. The best thing he did was spear Marshawn in the balls. But yeah. yeah, so he traded him uh, for nothing, and I wasn't really frustrated about the Eddie Lack trade. Uh, didn't get really much. What frustrated me was that we had so much money on the fourth line, and still do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not hilarious. much has changed. Uh, yeah, not, not much has changed. Yeah, so yeah, so it frustrated me that we had so much money on the fourth line, and I told I told why aren't uh, the Stanton before I I I, I went on a rant. Um, that I'm going to call this management group out. And now that I'm getting my half-season tickets, if the, if the organization doesn't go the right way, I will – you know me, I will call them out. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, so I, w- I went to YNR and I went on this rant about how the fourth line was getting paid way too much money and how the Sedins had 70-plus points last the year before and you guys are just wasting their uh, time uh, in the Canucks uniform. And they technically did. They could have. They could easily built a good enough team for the Sedins to like maybe get another chance at it. You know, like if they didn't like yeah. if they weren't so impatient, kind of move up to the second line. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it is what it is. You know, I, at that time I was really frustrated. So, um, yeah. So I, I went on a rant and I called up the management group, talked to Lyndon. I told Lyndon my concerns, and he was very um. He was, now that he's gone, I could be honest, he was very, he, was a, he wasn't very nice. If I, like, he was, he was nice to talk to me, but when I would bring up points, he would just shut me up. Like, he would just, like, not even, like, listen. You know what I mean? Like, he would just, like, he told me that, oh, Higgins' contract is not movable, and then they proved it by waving him and making him go to the AHL. And then I told him, about, I talked to him about, uh, man, the whole conversation was so, Frustrating. Sorry, this is like the one-on-one conversation you had with him. Yeah, yeah, it was a frustrating conversation for sure. Um, we we're talking about how, um, like, uh, he he said he knew he knew we wanted to blow it up, right? And I didn't really want to blow. I wanted them to be patient with the young kids coming in, but also like, you know, not like being able to like it. It was just a, it was a rough time to be a fan at that time. You know, we made the playoffs mm-hmm. the year before, but we knew we weren't going to win anything. Right, and then they go out and trade a young guy in Zach Cassian for an older guy in Brandon Pratt, and then like they have a they have so much money on the fourth line, but they have no top six talent. And guess what they do that summer? I think that that summer they go out and trade Nick Benino, right? Yeah. They go out and uh, uh, get Brandon Sutter, and then get Erica Branson. Like that was uh, it was not a good summer for that management group for sure. And um, and now they shut down the summer summit, and you know that the, now I know. I don't know why. I'm not going to say it's because of me, but it was because a lot of fans were angry. And now that the fans are starting to turn around, maybe they're becoming more positive, like myself, because we have guys like Patterson and Hughes, um, I think they might start doing it again. They should, in my opinion, because there are some concerns going forward, especially with the money. Like, the money is what's the most frustrating part about this team. It's what they're giving these guys, like vets. And that's it feels like it hasn't changed with his management group. It's it's frustrating. Mm. So what changed for you personally to go from, you know, debating Trevor, trying to like change Trevor Linden's mind about the course of the Canucks to being just a super positive guy online? Like what was the moment that changed, changed for you personally? Man, that's a good question. It's just seeing all this young talent come in now, you know? I think last year changed everything. Like the year before, we had Besser, and he scored. He was he had a crazy year. Like 
people forget that he had 29 goals and he only played like 60 something games. Yeah. Like he was almost on pace for 40 goals in his rookie year. Like, I still don't think we've seen that better since. And then you have uh, Elias. Last year changed a lot because of Elias Pedersen. We finally got the guy that could replace Henrik Sedin. And that right there is a step in the right direction. And then going out, like, getting Quinn Hughes in the draft was big, too. And that was, uh, like, we knew, like, all the all the analytic nerds, they all, like, loved Quinn Hughes. And that made me have more optimism going forward as well. Um, I just knew that Jake would eventually turn it around. Like, you could tell he was trying. Um, and then Bo Horvat was already, was a bright spot for like the, the first during the dark days. He was the bright spot during the dark days, right? So just seeing the organization um, draft and develop properly made me become more optimistic. But man, shit could change very quick because, yeah, like expectations, right? Like expectations right now are like just try to, like, are meaningful games in March like they're doing right now. They've technically already met expectations unless they choke and don't even get like 90 points like they have to get at least 90 points to meet their expectations in my opinion right yeah um and then like next year is going to be different right if next year doesn't go as planned who knows i might fucking flip out or you know i might just fucking lose it the thing is expectations right now are low for me right and i'm giving these young guys some some leeway right now but like it's pretty obvious though if this team doesn't make the playoffs, Jimbo's gone, right? And maybe Green's gone. So again, there's so much shit. right now I'm on team, let it play out and see what happens. Because I wanna see how good Pedersen's at twenty five. I wanna see how good Hughes is at twenty five, right? And that's when we're gonna be legit yeah. contenders. Yeah, and I think what's frustrating for a lot of fans, including a bit myself, was I think the expectation was they're gonna be battling for one of these you know, wild card spots at the beginning of the season. Like, if you look, go back and listen to any of these, you know, predictions at the beginning of the season, that's what people were saying. Hey, like, second wild card. Like, they're going to be battling near the end of the season. That's what people wanted. But the fact that they had, like, that 14-3 stretch or whatever kind of just, I think, built expectations really high to the point now that they're kind of sliding that back to yeah. maybe where they should have been at the beginning of the season all along, people are getting frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they were winning games when they should have won. They shouldn't have won games in the in that 14-3 run. But now they're 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 losing games when they should have won. It's just the, how the NHL is, man. The games go in different ways all the time, and um, and it's such a the league is so different. Like the bounces in the NHL are way different than the bounces in the NBA. The puck bounces everywhere. Remember that uh, game six against Boston in the finals, where Henderson has the open end, the puck just bounces over his stick. Oh, yeah. Who knows what happens if he scores that goal, right? And you look at against Arizona, two. Terrible bounces go our way, and that's the game. It's technically the game, man. Like, why you? Sorry, why did you have to bring up 2011, man? That's just getting me even more. I always impressed. bring up 2011, man. I always bring up 2011. Oh. But uh, that's Kyle, though. He, he hates it. But um, at the end of the day, man, like, is you have to get the right bounces go your way. Uh, you have to assemble a team that's able to compete for many years. Like, right now, it's a little concerning that we only have, uh, like, we have. EP and uh, he was on ELC contracts right now, and I and I feel like Jimbo's going for it, and we might not even make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it could it could suck. It could end up if we, if we don't make the playoffs this year, which we thought we were gonna make, 
Jimbo's gone, man. And it's a it's a start of a new management group and that might be the best thing for us if you think about it, because you know, when, when Nonis got fired, Gillis came in and everything was already set up for Gillis to succeed. All he had to do was put uh you know, find a way to uh you know, uh assemble the right pieces around the court. And maybe the next uh, general manager will do that better than Jimbo. Oh, okay. So here's my question. Who would you want as a GM for the Canucks if Jim Benning gets fired? If they don't make the playoffs? Wow, that's a good question. I don't have a GM in mind. I don't I don't know. Anyone like, but Jim Benning. No... Oh, man, that's a good question, man. That's a very good question. I need to know who the names are out there. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. So, then, yeah. Uh, you think uh, the guy from San Jose gets uh, fired? Oh, Doug Wilson. Yeah, Doug Wilson. Yeah, I don't. He seems like he's one of those GMs that's just gonna have a job forever, just because he he makes the playoffs all the time and makes some money. Just because he has one bad, yeah. they don't seem like they're gonna fire him after one bad year. But if they aren't, but if they do fire him, I'd be all, all over that if I'm the Canucks, if I'm Aquilini, because it's um, been proven. It's been proven that he wants to make the playoffs consistently. Like Doug Wilson's an expert Aqu- at that. Aquilini loves Aquilini loves big names too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There so we go. Where, there we go. We figured we figured it out. We figured out the next GM, the Vancouver Canucks, Doug Wilson. Doug Doug Wilson would be a great name. It'd be great to if Nashville misses the playoffs. Maybe David Poyle gets let go. Oh, okay. see, he's the guy. He's been literally their only GM. Like, why are they going to fire him? Yeah, they they might can him. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Hey. So Doug Wilson. Or David, look hold on, hold on for a big name. Right is what you're Minnesota. saying? Yeah, look what Kevin Fiala is doing in uh, Minnesota. Just imagine yeah, Nashville. That captain. was a bad trade on their part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, you know. Yeah. So I just got a couple. I got a coach in mind. I, I got a coach in mind if, if Green gets oh, fired. Oh, okay. Bruce okay. Let's talk about Travis Green then quickly because I'm of the opinion. I said this near the beginning of the season on one of Kyle's shows that. In my opinion, and this goes for hockey, but also other sports as well, there are coaches that take you from A to B and coaches that take you from B to C, if you know what I mean. There's coaches yeah. who, you know, teach people how to win, but sometimes you need, like, a B to C coach to take you over that next step. And I don't know which one of those yeah. Travis Green is. So who's your – who's your? What, what do you think Travis Green is, and who would you get for the next head coach? I want Green to succeed here, man. I do want him to succeed here, but right now, him trusting Lou Erickson to win him games is not the way to go. And that's what's going to cost him if he, if he misses the playoffs, right? Um, I personally think if the team gets to that, I would keep Travis Green personally. But if they do fire Travis Green, which is likely if they if they don't make the playoffs, I'd go with Bruce Boudreaux. He's the perfect guy for us. He's a guy that could teach us a good system that could definitely get us into the playoffs. He gets every team into the playoffs. And there's times where, I, the, like, Barry Trotz had that, had that uh, rep where he couldn't win. He couldn't get out of the second round, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Bruce Boudreaux's rep is. He hasn't been able to get to the cup finals. I think he went to the third round with Anaheim with that veteran group there. I think hiring a guy like Bruce Boudreaux would be a perfect fit with this young core. He could teach him how to play a great system. Um, and he, I think he can get the best out of these guys, man. I think he can. But I, if, if it was my choice, I would keep Green because I feel like he's done a great job with the young guys, like Gaudette, who's developing – Jeffrey Tannen, who's developed EP and Hughes and Bester, and maybe overplays Bo a bit too much, but I feel like he'll figure that out too. He's not a bad coach. He's just, he's also a young coach, right? 
So he's also mm-hmm. figuring out how how to how to get how to like, you know, he's also learning on the fly, just like this young kid. If it was my choice, I'd keep Green. But if he does get fired, I'd go with Bruce Boudreau. You make a lot of good points, like you said, like Travis Green. Like people don't people forget, mm-hmm. like he's just starting his head coaching career. Maybe maybe you need a more experienced mm-hmm. guy to guide this team to the playoffs. Right, that's a very mm-hmm. real possibility you're bringing up. So sorry, I just got a yeah. couple more questions for you because I know you're busy and I, yeah. I want to get you let, let you go. I'm I'm pulling yeah. up the Athletics projected NHL standings right now. Take a guess as mm-hmm. to what percentage they're giving the Canucks to make the playoffs now. They update this daily, by the way. So this is fresh. 40, 45? Yeah, spot on. Did you did you must have looked at this earlier? No, I didn't. I oh, did. okay, did damn. 40. Okay, you. You, you have your pulse on the Canucks for sure. Legit 45%. The Flames are now at mm-hmm. 77% to make the playoffs. So it looks like the Canucks are going to be like one of those two wildcard teams, right? So like, what's the... I think your... they could catch the Flames. They could catch the Flames. Oh, okay. We're only three points behind them with two games in hand. So it's but the Canucks points. haven't been... made. My, my, my thing is the Canucks really haven't been taking advantage of that. They lose. They've been... They're, exactly. Pretty soon, they if they slide, slide, not going to have any more games in hand, and then they're hooped. Yeah, I agree, but... They have a game against the Flames left, so yeah, that's good. That might be that you know people were talking about the Arizona game at home, the biggest game of the season. I think that game against the that's Flames gonna is going to be the biggest game. That's going to be the biggest yeah. game I'll of the season. There. Oh damn! Okay, you gotta, oh. you gotta, you gotta cheer hard then, man. You gotta like, you gotta try and get, try and get, have a few extra beers to get the crowd going. <laughs> no shame, sure. Yeah. So sorry, just one more question. You, you're host of Strictly Canucks Talk SCT, great Canucks show out there. Yeah. Like, what are your what made you decide to start a podcast? This and when? What are your plans for the show? Like any big, any guests you can like drop here? Any future guests? Uh, uh so we started a podcast. Uh, I think the producer actually DM'd me, and uh, I saw that he worked for Sportsnet, and I was like, you know what? Why not? Like I'll just see. He told me he would do everything. He would produce the show. He'd put out the the audio and stuff. Yeah. And all he would let you be Tanbeer. Yeah, exactly, and that's what uh, got me to do it, and he lives really close by, so I just go there and record, and uh, we hang out, talk, talk Canucks, and I love it. I love talking Canucks, so I'll do that anytime, anytime I get the chance to, right? So that's why we started the pod, and future guests, uh, not many that I know of right now. Usually, we're pretty, like, uh, we usually, like, plan it, like, maybe two weeks before, but um, we might do some... Uh, some shit if the team makes the playoffs like maybe go to Roger Arena and ask a bunch of fans a bunch of random questions just to fuck around we might do that we, we're thinking about doing it just taking a small mic and just you know go go out and troll a little bit but, okay uh, it only it only depends if the Canucks make the playoffs right okay now I want the, the Canucks to make the playoffs even more I want to <laughs> see this I want to see Tambier trying to troll people at Rogers Arena that sounds awesome yeah so, fun, yeah. so one sorry one last question uh, me and mm. me and Kyle are trying to get some Twitter clout. You got a lot of Twitter clout. Now, one thing yeah, we've been trying, you do because you, you got the passion. Man. The summer summit, summer summer summit. It, that's a hunt. That's I don't get the, I don't get enough likes though, man. I gotta get more likes. People gotta give me okay, more likes. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. How about <laughs> me and Kyle start a Twitter beef with you and SCT, and we can yeah. all kind of boost our profile that way. I've done it with Sean Warren. It seems to work out okay. I gained a couple of followers. Are you down? Yeah, I'm down. Okay. We can all do well, like, uh, yeah, we can, we can fuck, we can fuck with each other. Okay, perfect. No, I'm not. I'm so, down, I don't want any kind of like planning in the DMs. This has to be organic. 
So you just gotta keep your okay, keep your eyes open on the, sure. on the on the on the notifications. For sure, for sure. Yeah, awesome. So thank right. you, Anytime. thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Yeah. We'll have you on again soon, huh? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll come on. I'll come in studio one day too, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll get come. you on. I'll get you on our show too, dude. You have we'll me. You have have too. the whole network on me, Kyle, yeah. and Trevor. Yeah, we'll do an SCT uh, uh, power towel uh, uh, as a and uh, Cro- the, sip it on yeah. a forty and and silky and filthy. Oh, we'll the, like yeah. A, we'll have the most a, ambitious a, crossover a, ever. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Okay. All right, thanks to Tanbeer Rana. Tanbeer, for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. All right, let's get to our usual recurring segments. Our first segment we've been doing for uh, for a while now, Panic Button or Car Flag, where I describe the mood of myself and fellow Canucks fans by either describing whether I need to take my car flag out of my garage or my Panic Button. I think you know where this is from the rest of the episode. It's full-on panic button time, man. It's it's on the desk, and it's just sitting there. It's in within our arm's reach. I haven't, I haven't, you know, pressed it yet. But I'm about 70% of the way there. Like, the panic button is fully out. Let's not kid ourselves. Man, the panic button... Panic button's fully out, and it's going to be fully out for the rest of the season. I'm just saying I'm just saying that now. It will not the panic button at this point is not getting put away until I see a little X beside the Canucks clinch the playoff spot. Oh, and if, God forbid if they miss the playoffs. I am it's getting smashed until I can't smash it anymore. Yeah, not not much to the segment this week. Usually, uh, you know, past couple weeks, I've been debating whether I want to take out the car flag or take out the panic button. It was been, it's been pretty bad. Panic button's fully out now. Maybe it's reactionary. I don't care. Panic button is fully, fully out, and it will be for the rest of the season. Okay, our next segment. My favorite personal segment. It's called Way to Go, Jimmy. Way to go, Jimmy, where we discuss the trials and tribulations of one Jim Matheson of the Edmonton Drill. Now, one thing I forgot to ask PJ last week, Patrick Johnson, by the way, if you haven't listened to the episode, go listen to my last song with Patrick Johnson. It was a great conversation. I'm calling these conversations. From now on, not just not just interviews, conversations. I talked. To, I talked. With PJ was in here for man clo- over an hour fifteen. Like it was a lengthy conversation. And one thing I forgot to ask him is if he's ever because he's a he's a pretty big you know pretty big journalist when it comes to the Canucks. You know he travels on the road. He's a guy who actually gets to travel and cover this team. So I want to ask him if he ever knew Jim Matheson at all, like a personal level. Anyways, I'm, I'm digressing. Here's what Jim Masson tweeted just today, March 9th, this morning. If Cole, Cole Caulfield, bracket, Habs, and Alex Turcotte, Kings, turn pro after one year at Wisconsin, it's a joke. One year of university. Why did they even go to school? It's not like either 19-year-old absolutely lit it up either. Oh, Jim. 
I'm pretty sure. I want. I'm looking up Alex Turcotte's stats right now. I want to see what his. Maybe I should have done this before, but whatever. Alex Turcotte was a third overall pick. Yeah, he put up close to a point per game as a freshman. That's pretty good for college hockey. And man, why do you want to deny these guys the opportunity to go make that cash? Make that dough. If it was up to if it was up to Jim, every college player would be forced to stay four years, finish their degree, and then move. Why do you want to if he's got Cole Caulfield from and Alex Turcott from what I watched at the World Juniors this year? And yes, I base pretty much all my prospect predictions and opinions off the world juniors. I'm not watching I'm not watching, you know, CHL, USHL hockey during the regular season. Cole Coffin and Alex Turcott are good, man. So what if they're a one and done? It happens all the time in basketball. Hasn't hurt basketball. And if they value the degree so much, hey, you can always do online class. You can always finish your degree while while you're playing. I'm pretty sure uh, Corey Schneider did that with Boston College. I don't know what Thatcher Demko has. Maybe he will. If he values his degree, hey, he'll go do it. But he's, there's no rule that says once you enter college, you have to stay there, stick out your degree, and then go on. To be honest, this isn't his most egregious take. It's not the most ridiculous. But it's just a very, like, it's a very old man take. Which is what I come to expect. What I like Jim Matheson on Twitter, his Twitter presence. He gives me these boomer, you know, opinions like this. God bless Jim Matheson, man. Hope he never retires. And our final segment, I'm calling this one Big Mad. This is a based on... So, today at 2.05, I record this on Mondays at Monday afternoon usually, 2.05 p.m. This is the Professional Hockey Writers Association's response to what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that all the professional sports leagues in North America are banning, yes, they're banning media from the locker room. They're going to do, you know, the podium style question and answering like they do at the beginning of the season, you know, or end of season when the Canucks come in, they do a postseason mortem. They have like four to five at a time. That's what they'd be doing. That's what they did last night, actually, uh, with uh, with the Columbus game. Here's uh, the professional, the PHWA's response. We the, and, oh, sorry. I, I thought I said in titties. <laughs> we the entitles. Oh, sorry. We the why am I struggling reading, right? <laughs> we the entities covering pro and college sports in North America are concerned with the developing international outbreak of coronavirus and the need to contain it. We understand precautions may be necessary in the name of public health. We are intent on working with the leagues, teams, and schools we covered to maintain safe work environments. We will also ensure locker room access, which we have negotiated over decades to players, coaches, staffs, not necessarily limited in the short or long term. We look forward to open communication with the leagues as together. We deal with this serious health matter. And of course, everyone on Twitter is just fucking clowning them. Someone, a country of 60 million just quarantined itself, but okay. Is it a better or worse place for you guys than warm Pepsi in the pe- press box? Yeah, like, I, I'm sorry. There's bigger concerns right now in terms of the coronavirus than you being able to ask Drew Doughty what he thought of the p- third period of him saying, oh, we just need to, you know, bear down more, get more pucks in deep. 12 feet, 12, 12 inches, sorry, from this guy's face. There's nothing more than these 
like I'm thinking like like the Jim Madison, Mike, like Mark Spector types. These guys just love to complain. Remember when Dallas Eakins tried to make the press box eat healthy, like he put veggies, and they absolutely just came out and revolted against him. And he's, he's yeah, like I said, there's bigger concerns right now than you being able to get boring ass responses from a hockey player right now. And who knows? Maybe soon, hey, you won't even have to leave. You won't be able to leave the the comfort of your home to cover the your hockey team. This is absolutely just tone deaf method message right now from the professional hockey writer. So she like, come on, like who can't? Is it really that big of a deal that you can't? You can take a bit of a break from asking players questions in the dressing room while there's close to a pandemic going on. Let's all, if if I'm a big J journalist covering hockey, let's just all take a chill pill. I'm sure they'll let you back in the locker room to get your cliched responses as soon as this whole thing is passed. Anyways, that's this week's episode of Power of the Towel. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Bonney. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Nick Bonney. Follow this account as well, at Power of the Towel. And subscribe to the network, man. We're doing great stuff. We're cranking out great content. Subscribe to this network, the Next Misconduct Network. You get this show, Power of the Towel. You get the Quickie with Trevor Biggs, daily hockey show updated every morning. Sipping on a 40 with Kyle Bowen. Post-game show after every Canucks game. There will be one tonight after the Islanders game. Maybe I'll be on it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? And silky and filthy puck talking bullshit with both Trevor Biggs and Kyle Bowen. It's a great show. They got great chemistry. Subscribe right now. And once again, I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.